You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. to the hybrid dive podcast everyone this is your host dylan scott and today i am on here with one of the, the the athletes who when she took the high rocks world on she took it by storm and had she been maybe a little bit better with lap counting she would have just grabbed a world record in her very first race i believe we've got dr alondra greenley alondra how are you doing today i am doing i'm doing great how are you i'm doing well so when we first crossed paths it was that new york race correct yeah. Yeah. We were at the same race. I don't think I really saw you much there though. I don't really remember seeing you much either, to be honest. Like yeah. I I felt like you just came out of nowhere, uh, beat the crap out of the field, um, had a crazy fast time. And then I was like, Oh, yep. Never have heard or seen her before. And, <laughs> and since then you've really just become kind of a, a mainstay in the sport. Um, pretty consistent with all your results. Like every time you line up, you you know, I think people sleep on you a lot. And I don't know why, because you seem to have the whole package when it comes to a fitness standpoint, despite the fact that you hate running. <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily that I hate it. I just don't have enough time for that. Uh, no, no, I I'm in the rowing group chat. You hate running. <laughs> you made it you made it very clear that you hate running. I don't know. But so um, what I like to do with this podcast is, you know, when I'm talking with people, go back and kind of find what got them into sports starting off. And I think I remember guessing what I thought you did. And your background definitely surprised me early on. So we'll get to that point because I don't know how early on you started that sport. But starting out, what was kind of the first thing that you picked up on from an athletic standpoint? Um, I guess the the big thing I was involved in growing up was swimming, um, competitive swimmer, like from fourth grade on until the end of high school when I decided not to swim in college. Okay. And yeah, <clears throat> year round, all that. And what got you into that originally? Like they just parents just throw you in a pool and you were like, I guess I, I'm part fish or like what's going on? <laughs> well, I guess they kind of ran in the family. My dad was a swimmer um, growing up and I don't even remember, like I don't even remember it really being like an option just like okay you're gonna start going to swim practice now it was like no discussion and that just was like the rest of my life until college so so at four years old that was it it was just like swim fourth grade four, oh fourth my grade. Bad. okay i'm sorry i heard you wrong i thought i was thinking like damn they're just like four years old swim practice now which <laughs> i mean to be fair i, I think four is I mean, there were swim lessons yeah. yeah i was doing all that beforehand but it wasn't like and i had, it was actually like in synchronized swimming and you know the whole like summer swim league thing but but we'll see then at that point now fourth grade is kind of late to start for a swimmer would it not be i mean that's when i like remember consciously like thinking like oh yeah like i guess that's my sport this is like what i what i do um i was always swimming under uh like like i said the summer leagues mm-hmm. but it wasn't until fourth grade that i did all year round summer and winter uh throughout the year 
Okay, so you were competitive even before that. You were in swim meets, in swim leagues. So, but it yeah. wasn't until you latched onto something that you were like, "All right, this is what I'm going to competitively kind of." Uh, well, in fourth grade, I wasn't thinking like that. I was just like, "This is just what I do." <laughs> well, yeah, but still, to to be like, "Oh, this is what I do." That that's kind of what I mean by competitively latched on. So I didn't think okay. you were like 11 years old with fire in your eyes and like <laughs> <laughs> the podium will be mine. All you other 11 year olds be damned, like. Uh, no, that was that was ten. That was a good year for me. That was a good nine year and for ten. You? Mm-hmm. Nine and ten. You're like <laughs> I made it to the double digits, and now I'm thriving. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, that was a big state championship. But okay, so here you go. You, nine. So you're winning state championships mm-hmm. at that age. Go ahead, Megan. Oh, somebody's knocking on the door. Um, so you're winning state championships at that age at nine, ten. And what events were you competing in? So. In that time, I was doing USS swimming, so I think like the organization has changed a little bit. But in nine and ten, I was like at the state championship, which was like the double A level. And to get like the state high point for that whole meet, I had to swim every single event. Um, and there were prelims and finals for it. So, and I think I got eh, like three or four first, but I was in like the top like three to five for pretty much every event. So that's I think like up to maybe. I don't, I don't know if they had the 500 free, but that would have been the longest one. The 200 would have, would have been the, oh no, it was long course. It would have been 400 meters and then like all the way down to like the 50 free, but I am butterfly back breast, everything. Okay. So you, I mean, that was a, and how many days did they space that competition across? It was uh, four days, four days. And you're swimming all different strokes, all different kind of, you know, that, that's a that was my prime that's <laughs> age a, 10. Age <laughs> ten was your prime. That's when you were you're like I was an athletic specimen then. If they would have had a high rocks, sub fifty minutes, no oh. problem. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you get out of that, you take it up through high school, and I mean, I'm guessing, you know, early on, good swimmer. Were you progressively getting better, or did you find like nine ten? I was just kicking the shit out of people, and then it was kind of like I just stayed at you know maybe a little bit of gain, but I didn't continue to excel at the same rate. Um, I think I you know was you know, pretty good early on. But then once I got older, like the organizations like changed a little bit. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just measured a little bit differently and, you know, people kind of specialize in specific things. So I became like more focused on like sprinting for a while. I mean, I did it for so long. And then like a while I was doing like more open water, long distance swimming, but I was competing at like the um, sectional, which would have been like the uh, United States divided into four. That was the highest that I went to. Okay. But I did pretty well. And yeah. And then, you progress to the end of kind of high school and decide college. Did you have offers? Did you have opportunities to go swim like further on? I would assume. Yes. Yeah. And you were just tired of staring at that black line in the pool. Um, I mean, I just was ready to, I guess, close that chapter and, and move on and see what else was going to happen with my life because I knew I wasn't going to be a professional swimmer. Yeah. And basically in my eyes, if I did like swim in school, I was going to end up being like an athletic trainer or something like that. And you know, I just it, it, it didn't know safe. if that was for me. It'd be safe to say you're not an athletic trainer now. Um, you might have gone. You might have gone a little bit further with your education. Were you <laughs> eyeing going into the field of medicine at you know late high school? Definitely not. I did. I didn't really take. I guess like school like that seriously. I mean, it was in my mind because my dad comes. Uh, he works in a hospital and like a few nurses in my family, so it was like an idea. But I didn't really think. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go that far. Just like, okay, I'm going to college. That's what you're supposed to do now. And which, uh, I don't know, which university did you end up going to? Michigan State. You went to Michigan State. 
And was it at Michigan State that you picked up what would be considered kind of your your little oddballish sport? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what piqued your mind with, with like what what was it that you're like, hey, I'm going to go get into, and you can go ahead and say what it was. Uh, so you want to actually? I don't know if I told you the story behind like how I got into that. I absolutely have not. I have not heard it. Yet. I won't. I won't reveal what what the sport was until afterwards, unless uh, okay. some people might already know. But so my first year in college, I didn't participate in any sports, and like my life, like had been swimming up until that point. And then freshman year, I was like, wait, what? Like, how do I meet people? What is going on here? Um, so it was awful. So my sophomore year, I'm like, okay, this is going to be new Alondra. This is what we're going to do. So I went to like the organizational event where they like have all the clubs and everything uh, in the beginning of the next year. And they were all in alphabetical order. And so I was like starting in A's. I'm like, oh, wow, archery. This is awesome. I've always wanted to try that. So I like sign up for the archery club, make my way down. And then I, uh, you know, see badminton. I always loved playing badminton growing up. I mind you, I don't play sports with balls. So I'm sticking with these, with these sports. Um, sign up for that one. And, you know, just to be like on their emailing list, we'll see what that is. Um, ceramics. I love ceramics, made it to the ceramics club a few times. Not exactly. And then wait, this is just all activities. This is, this is like all the clubs on campus. Okay. All the clubs. Okay. I was making sure cause I was going to, I don't know of any competitive ceramics. Like you're over there. You're just like no. pumping the hell out of the footstool and like <laughs> who can build the fastest base. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was, that's an idea. We'll, we'll go on that. But, um, and then I finally made it to the, the fencing club and I was like, wait, this is, this is it. I've always wanted to like play with swords and like the people there seemed really cool and they were excited. And like the practice was, I think like later that day, I'm like, okay, I'm in, let's do it. So then I got into the uh, fencing. So very first day that you find out like, oh, there's a fencing club here. It, you were also poking people like later that afternoon with swords. Well, I think like on the campus, like that's how they got people interested. Like you had, you got the sword and they're like, Hey, you want to play with these later? And they just like give them to you. You're like, yes, this is awesome. You know, that could be something that maybe like, that, that could be a great tip for like a young guy who's just trying to go find somebody to like to flirt with. Hey, I got a sword. You want to play with these later? Like <laughs> that could be a great college pickup tool. <laughs> Speaking of, I do have my swords in my trunk. They have come in handy in my car. Maybe don't. They have come in handy in your car. So you've had to pull your swords out of your trunk before. and just I did. For what reason? So there was like a piece of rubbish stuck under my car in the middle. And it was like dragging around under the car. So I got the sword out. And I'm like getting it out from under my car. I was um, really. I didn't I was, have to crawl under there. I was expecting this to be something. You know, I was hoping that you had to fend off an animal or. You know, something to that. I mean, effect. I'm ready just in case it happens. Yeah, pop the trunk. Everybody's like, yeah, if the laundry <laughs> doesn't pop the trunk, you better run. Why? She got, she, she's packing back there. Yeah, fencing swords. I mean, sabers. Everything. I have also have a 60 pound D ball in my trunk, two uh, Deco Rams, a 45 pound ruck, a 30 pound ruck, my fencing equipment, and a weight vest. Hey. So I'm ready. You are ready. You're ready for anything that involves D balls rucking and then like <laughs> stabbing folks. Um, which honestly, I would that would be a great question for like all hybrid athletes. Like, what's in your trunk? And I guarantee you, it's going to be just this vast assortment of like, oh, I got these dumbbells. I got a wall ball. I got like, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't. Go ahead. No, I actually think that would be. I would definitely read that article. Yeah. What What's in this athlete's trunk right like, now? Right now, at the moment. Um. Because mine sounds pretty similar to yours. 
60 pound sandbag, dumbbells, Spartan Ram. Um, I mean, if you catch me packing while I'm on the road, I might have a whole assault bike and a Prius. Like you never know <laughs> whatever you fit. Now with, with fencing and everything, I don't even know, like what's practice like for that? What you have to be in good shape or it, it's very quick. Is it not? Well, there's three different weapons um, and they all have a kind of like a little bit of a different style. Um, there's saber, epe, and foil. So I fenced epe, which is pretty much minimal rules, full body target area. There's no like right of way where you have to take control of somebody else's weapon okay. um, before you can take, before you can score. The The bouts are set up pretty similar to like boxing. And I'm saying this as not a boxer, but I think there's like matches that last for like three minutes or something like that. And then you okay. like can rest, right? I think. Uh, Maybe, yeah, I yeah, they, yeah they, well, they fight rounds. Yeah, rounds, match, whatever. And so it's kind of similar to that. And you can be one of the athletes where you're, you know, bouncing, you're moving around, you're like really, really hard to hit and be very fit. Or you can be very unfit and just have really good blade work and okay. totally just like not even move and just like annihilate people. <laughs> so my first is to assume that you were the person who was really fit jumping around. But then also you always throw me for a loop when I ask things. And so I'm like, maybe she was just like, no, I got really fucking good with a blade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely, so I had never fenced to the point when I had started. So it kind of progressed throughout the years um, as I did it. And I definitely started out very awkward, like rigid, just trying to figure everything out. But then towards the end, I realized like, I'm actually, you know, probably a bit fitter than most of these people. And if you just move them and wear them out, they're going to make mistakes. Wait, so hold on. You, did you have any, you have any siblings or anything like that? Yeah, I have five brothers and sisters. So you have fenced before. There's no way that in your house, y'all didn't have sword fights. I mean, it was mostly, we were mostly like a Nerf gun family, to be honest. Oh, Okay. I was going to say, like, growing up with, I was particularly having brothers, like, you would have definitely had a lightsaber around the house somewhere and somebody got their fingers just mashed when they were fighting at some point. <laughs> I don't know how you managed to avoid that, but so you could have gone to like laser pistol or eh, you already had the background for that. But so you find out, hey, uh, maybe using this kind of rigid strategy of just, which of course you would expect from somebody who's new into a sport. You're not going to be nice and smooth and agile off the bat. Um, but you decided you were just going to out fitness folks. Yeah, yeah. Over time, I was like, yeah, these like, I just never really thought of myself as a very fit person, and so I just thought I was I was average. But then I realized that other people are like really tired after these things. I'm like, you know, this really isn't that bad. All right, so self awareness wasn't high on the list when it came to <laughs> like <laughs> things that 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 you had in the early twenties. Got it. Um, so you're you're at Michigan State for four years, three years. You graduate early. What'd you do? Um, no, I graduated four years. Graduated four years. And then from there, kind of where did things take you? Um, so then I went straight to med school in Iowa, Des Moines, Des Moines University. All right. And following along that route, I'm assuming you're not also fencing at any kind of fencing club in medical school. Seems like they might be like anti-sword. Um, well, I mean, people were really interested when they found that I fenced. Like I did do like some private lessons with people at the gym on campus. Like, oh, cool. Can I do that? I'm like, yeah, I got it in my trunk. Let's do it. All right. So you're like, some people have to come up with unorthodox ways to pay for med school. You said, I'll teach fencing lessons, like in the, in the rec room. <laughs> Pretty much. So, from a fitness standpoint, then, what, what are you doing? Are you are just kind of like, hey, I'm a full-time med student. I don't have, I don't care about fitness right now. Or are you still trying to work it into your life? Um, I definitely wasn't competing in any sort of fitness stuff. And I would say like the first 
six months of med school, I did like no physical training at all. Then I kind of missed it again, you know, flashbacks to undergrad when I did like nothing. Um, and then because I just like was studying so much, we had a really nice gym on campus. I would just pop myself on the elliptical similar to what you, you do right now and just like study for an hour um, yeah. reading through notes and everything. And that was like my routine. I would do an hour on the elliptical every day for years. Yeah. And and, and I, once you get kind of comfortable at like that lowish heart rate and just like reading stuff, you can really get zoned in. I've done my oh, few yeah. like elliptical sessions of, of notes, um, just reading through PowerPoints or whatever, memorizing things. Um, oh yeah. You, like reading, you, I can do anything, even running now, just like little, like throw a book on there. Good. I cannot run and read. Like I think it's the, the oscillation. There's no way. Yeah. My eyes can't focus. I can listen to something or I can, uh, if I put it on like a high incline where I'm not bouncing much, then yeah, we're fine. But I cannot imagine running and reading at the same time. I'd be good. I'd You're also a much faster runner than me, but, and that, <laughs> that's like one of the harder ones. When I like had mastered that skill, I was pretty proud. I'm like, you know, I just ran and read. That's honestly, I, also, I'm going to sweat all over that poor book. Like I'm just going to do war crimes to literature in that case. You know, I have an, an iPad and that works great because then you're not getting it. Do you not like sweat to the point where it like hits the screen and then like the pages will turn and shit on you? Ew, what are you doing, man? That's gross. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, I, yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> Come on. I've seen you finish high rocks races. You're not like a, you, you don't manage to finish. And I'm like, man, she didn't even break sweat. <laughs> I know that that's happening um, to you. So you're, you're at that point, just basically elliptical in a way, cardio, just cardio monkey. Cardio bunny. Cardio bunny. Uh I guess our gender terms here. I'm the cardio monkey, cardio bunnies, like whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and what gets you into CrossFit, the hybrid fitness world? Like where, where does that even start to come into play? Because at this point, I don't see it. You don't see it. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw it. Yeah. Um, no. So actually in CrossFit, there's a girl, Julie Fouché. Mm-hmm. She, I like saw her name on the leaderboards. I'm like, that sounds so familiar. Like who, what is that? So I was looking at like where she's from. She had gone to my high school. She was a year below me. I was like, wait, she's doing this cool stuff. Like I could totally do that. I'm like looking at the CrossFit open, not really even sure like what it is. I'm like hundred pull-ups. How does anybody even do that? I didn't know they were like kipping pull-ups, but it was just like, wait, if she can do it, I can do it. So it took me a little while to, um, sign, finally sign up for CrossFit. But once I finished med school, um, and, had gotten started with my residency. I wanted to meet people outside of like the hospital situation. So then I joined CrossFit and started doing that through residency because that was just like one hour at the gym. It's not like, Oh, I can spend all day at the gym. Um, they've definitely had not much time. Uh, so Michael, is that an inspirational Julie Fouché story or is that a, if she can do it. Julie Fouché garbage. <laughs> like I knew you in high school, Julie. <laughs> You're no better than no, she is an sock. incredible athlete. She's like a gymnast. Amazing. But like when I see somebody, I'm like, I mean, there's no reason like you can't do that too. Like you just got to work for it, you know? That's like, a, she, I mean, it, it is honestly true when you do see somebody that you grew up with or like were around in high school. I don't know how big the school was that you went to. I went to a podunk little bitty town school. Like were you, you come out of high school that had thousands of kids? Yeah, it was medium size. Nothing, nothing crazy. Okay. Well, everybody knew everybody. Where I was from. So if I ever, if I were to see somebody who is like excelling outside of light life 10 years later, I'm like, yeah, I can definitely do what that person was doing. Like, 
just just give me some time. Um, but yeah, if you come out of a school that's got you know ten thousand kids, then then maybe it's like yeah, there might have been a special egg in that that batch. Um, <laughs> where you couldn't quite look back and be like, oh no, I got them. So I didn't know if it was a very close knit community or or what it was like. It was medium, but I think that's just kind of my like personality. Like I just you know think I can do whatever I put my mind to. Oh, you know, honestly, that does very much match your personality. Like, and, and you're you're a high achieving person. Like, from a fitness standpoint, from intelligence standpoint, like you seem to have done very well for yourself up until this point. And it would be really hard for most people to manage all of those different priorities. So, CrossFit for you gives you the ability to continue with your medical studies as well as get in good shape. So, how long were you in the CrossFit world for? before you started making it into the hybrid kind of space? So throughout my residencies, that um, that was 2014 until I finished in 2020, all things considered. And um, so all that, I was just doing like regular CrossFit gym programming, the CrossFit Open occasionally. I was kind of, you know, pretty good at the gym, but nothing special. Uh, but I, my focus was really on residency and, and surgery and doing everything like that. It wasn't until like 2020 uh, with me finishing residency, like nothing else to do and basically just working. I'm like, wow, I have like a little bit more time and control of my schedule now that I actually like signed up for my first CrossFit competition. And I was like, hey, I'm not not so bad at this. And I'm trying to try to think back. I did do during my last year of residency a half Ironman, but that I didn't really train too much for. You just, you, just you know, you don't have to in do there. that. You, just you know, I was a swimmer. And that's where the race ends. It's like you swim 1.2 miles and then yeah, that's it. That's a half iron, man. Nothing else. That's the hardest part for most people. But then I, I you know, I bought a bike a couple of weeks before I realized, oh, shoot, I need a bike. <laughs> and I had running shoes. So you're good with that. Oh, my um, goodness. The number of people that will hear this and they'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it was just a half iron, man. It wasn't like anything crazy, like a full. Those, those people are wild. Oddly enough, the jump from a half Ironman to a full Ironman is crazy. Like, yeah. I think about a half Ironman is very feasible. Um, I'm like, okay, about five hours, you know, yeah, give or take. But then I think about a full Ironman, I'm like, I can't imagine a marathon off of 112 miles on a bike. That yeah. is repulsive. I mean, I'm just thinking about like when I would eat. Like, how hungry am I going <laughs> to be? You're eating on the bike. <laughs> I hate eating on a bike, but yeah, you have to. Yeah, that's like that's what you're doing. You're just eating on a bike. It's you better get comfortable with that because you're going to be on that bike seat for you know give or take five six hours. Yeah, so I did my first hundred mile bike on July fourth. Uh, I was like, yeah, I want to see if I can do it. Long time. Yeah, and and how did you feel for that? Because I've I've talked to you before when you've gone out for really big efforts. I'm like you know, I, I I put bananas and about three raisins in my sock, and I was pretty good. Like, <laughs> um, so for that bike specifically i was like you know what? i'm gonna try to eat something so i had like yeah maybe 500 or 600 calories beforehand and then probably about 500 during and then i ate a whole pizza after yeah i mean uh, hey i get that that's the way i would go i would probably roll with like some schmuckers uncrustables in like one of my little bike jerseys maybe snack on one or two of those on the way but uh exactly the, the whole pro the pizza at the end's the reward you like those last 20 miles He's like, oh, oh yeah, I know what's going. <laughs> I mean, I was a little bit nauseous, a little bit excited. I'm like, but it sounds so good. And it was so good. But the funny thing is I did it with a friend and they like had all of their nutrition ready in their bottles 
forgot everything. Oh. Like we're about to ride. I'm like, did you want to bring any water? And he was like, <gasps> and we had like ro- driven to the start point that was like 20 minutes away from where he lived. And I'm like, well, you're either going to go with nothing or you're going to go and I'm going to go alone or, or with me, or you're going to go alone later. Um, what was the, I mean, what the, the, they just had to go solo, just like, all right. I'm not <laughs> no, no, so we talked, I'm like, well, we can stop by like a gas station. We can like, you know, change the route and like ride back to your place. But I didn't want to wait there for 40 minutes. You know, I well, got like, ready for, to go. God forbid 40 minutes. You didn't have much time in the day, you know. You couldn't have looked, had time to ride 100 miles on your bike. There was no way that was going to be in the day. You were crunched. <laughs> I was ready to go. Um, well, mind you, this was like we'd already been at the start point for about 30 minutes to get ready. And we're about to roll out. I'm like, did you bring any water or anything? Because I saw he didn't have anything. And all of his stuff is like in his water bottles. He had like calories in there. So, um, yeah, he ended up, we ended up stopping like at a, at a gas station. And I had, I pack, I pack a lot of food with me, but I don't necessarily eat it. So I had like probably 2000 calories for us to like eat. Oh yeah. I had like a couple of my bars and stuff. Better to be overprepared and not use it than yeah. to, to be like him and just leave it all at home. <laughs> typical guy. <laughs> Shoot. Now actually, no typical guy. You know what? Typical guy would have all of his ducks in a row for some kind of sporting event, but then the rest of his life would just be calamity. Like, <laughs> He'd be like, do you remember anything? He's like, yeah, I can give you the whole 1987 Braves roster. Like, do you remember what you were supposed to pick up? Not a clue. <laughs> That's how our brains work. I don't know why, but, you know, we can find but, a way to turn. It, no, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, but overall, like, it all it all turned out, like, perfectly fine. So, yeah. So, so you throw a half Ironman in just for the for the heck of it. You're You're finally out of residency. You've got free time because you waited until you were how old are you are you when you like get out of residency 28 was 32 31 32 okay yeah see I, yeah see i'd still be in residency just garbage god <laughs> the the absolute like so my, my background i was pre-med thought i wanted to go to medical school thought i wanted to do all that and then saw like a glimpse of it just enough to go not for me <laughs> yeah i mean i just i just kind of go go with it and just just keep going. That's what you got to do in a race too, right? Just well, keep going. <laughs> I think it is interesting. You do see a lot of people in the medical field tend to be drawn towards endurance sports. At least for some reason, that's what I've tended to notice. And I don't know what that is that, that does that. Um, and it could just be a localized thing that I've seen around like people around me. But all the people that I've known that went into the medical field tended to be like, oh, I like doing long bike rides. I like running or whether they were swimming. Like it's weird. Um, something about endurance, like maybe, maybe it's just a love for suffering. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable for extended periods of time. Yeah. Kind of pushing yourself through something and maybe it's, you know, that long lead up to an exam, like studying for it days and days, Mm -hmm. like pulling all letters and then you get the A and you're like, yes, next one. So Um, did you like hype yourself up before test? Were you somebody who, did you get zoned in? Like it was a competition. Were you at war with the team? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. Somebody that understands that. I've been saying I had like a fucking playlist. Like I was going to war. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Up all night. I would get up. And I mean, at this time I thought it was early, but this time I I would get up at four, like had my, my like caffeine, like bam. And then just like after our exams, they were always like at eight in the morning Mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, a few hours. And then I would just like pass out for like eight hours after that (laughs) and then be up ready to go after. 
it's so much like a come down after a race. It, it, it very much like that. And hold on, I did catch you say I got up at four, which I thought was early at the time. Um, just to FYI, four a.m. still early anymore. Like you, you might have a skewed like perception of what early is, but also what's late for you? Late depends on if I have to work the next day or if I'm getting up early the next day. Um, well, you, if you, I have to get up early, like I sleep is so important for like everything. Like I definitely prioritize sleep. So if I'm getting up early, I'm going to sleep early. Like I start getting tired around seven thirty. Okay. Like, mm, like people that are talking to me, they're like, "Yeah, Alondra's fading." <laughs> yeah, it's because you're getting up at what time every morning? I usually get up between four and four twenty. Yeah, four and four twenty, and because normally you're in the you're in the gym training by five. Because mm-hmm. I'll normally see whatever CrossFit shit you have going on at five a.m., which. I'll tell you, I, I fully believe 5 a.m. CrossFit people are lunatics. Um, I don't understand it. At 5 a.m., you can get me up to pedal a bike, but there's no way that you're going to get me up to move weights. I mean, it is rough rolling out of bed and then like doing a one rep max deadlift in like 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. What am I doing? Weights are at least 15% heavier before like 6 a.m. Oh, I fully believe it's like I think I, I posted on my Instagram story. I was like about to do it like a hang squat clean. I just like picked up the weight. I'm like, no, it's not. Well, I'm sure you probably to your nervous system, like your body's probably like, yeah, this does feel really heavy. Well, your cortisol is highest in the morning anyway. So if you're gonna be lifting, you should I feel like you should be doing it in the morning, not necessarily that early. That's kind of just like what I what I have to do. But if you're going to be doing heavy lifting later in the day, you're getting a second cortisol spike, which isn't necessarily good either. And, and when is your cortisol spiking in the morning? I know that's kind of what is waking you up, but is it 4 a.m. that it's spiking or is it 7, 7.30? So, so for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, that's kind of like the process that uh, starts you, you waking up. So your like internal clock, like once you're about to start waking up, your body is going to secrete cortisol and i'm sorry i'm not an endocrinologist if i'm a little bit off but this is not my specialty this hey, is my mental model no but nobody else listening is either just go with it <laughs> but um this is not medical advice but yeah the uh the cortisol is like usually right before your alarm goes off like when you have like oh i always wake up around this time that increases your body temperature and that's what wakes you up okay and then that's why everybody's like or not everybody that's why they always say hey try to keep the same sleep pattern so that you can yeah. continue to be on that cycle, um, even through the weekends and everything. Um, it does feel like a superpower when you wake up like two minutes before your alarm goes off and you look over and like, you know, it's, it's, it's say it's going to go off at six for us late risers. Um, it's going <laughs> to <go, laughs> go off at six for us underachievers who have, have yet to see if we can, uh, you know, do 30 inch box jumps and you look over and it's like, ha, I'm waking you up this morning. Like, I'm waking you up, sucker. Yeah. Oh, how the turntables. Like, it's, it's just a great moment. <laughs> um, and all right. So, with all of that, we, we continue to get off on tangents, which I'm not the least bit surprised talking to you. Like, it's like just throwing a ping pong ball in a room, let it bounce. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. But it's quite fun. So, <laughs> so you're noticing, okay, I'm half decent at CrossFit. And you start doing like your first competition. You go out and how, like, what are the vibes from that? How do you feel? Um, for my first competition, yeah, like for CrossFit, yeah, first CrossFit. I thought it, I thought it was, it was fun. I was like, you know, this is something that I, I like had kind of like put on the back burner for a while, but I was pretty athletic and, and, you know, I'm not particularly good at anything, but I can kind of get stuff done. So, oh, good. I was like, yeah, should do some more. And then like after that competition, the, the male that 
was, I think it was on the podium. I don't know. He asked me to be a, do a partner competition with him. Uh, like a few months after that, I was like, yeah, sure. And we did like that and won that. I'm like, this isn't so bad. And then somebody had mentioned high rocks to me. And so, so you're pretty like, I mean, you're pretty new into the competitive side of fitness racing by the time you come up on high rocks, correct? So like six months. Yeah. I was going to say it, it couldn't have been that long. Cause if you're like, oh, I'm done in 2020 with residency and you're just then taking up like competitive CrossFit stuff, it couldn't have been too long until you're racing in. This would have been March of 2021, 22. What was that New Year race? 21. Yeah. Whatever race was up in, I don't know. All I know is I was there with my dog. Like <laughs> I was there with my dog and I was there with, I just remember having podium pictures with my dog and my dog was like, yo, I'm a, I'm a shelter rescue. Get me out of here, bro. <laughs> I was like, you got to get used to people. She's like, uh-uh. Wait, did you, had, had you just gotten your dog then? Yeah, she had, we got her in February and that was April. So she had a couple of months. Um, and so we were just, it was just me and my wife, the dog. And I was like, Pax, you got to get used to people. You got to get used to people. You got to get used to people. I'm like, you're going to get used to them at the Meadowlands. Let's go. <laughs> oh, bro. But um, yeah. And so you come out and just New York, what was that? What was that like for you? Did you have really any specific preparation going into it? You find out about High Rocks, you're like, ah, fuck it, I'll go do it. And did anything change training wise or did you just go, "Hmm, we'll see. Um, I weighed my shoes to decide what shoes I wanted to wear. I'm like, smart. "Hmm, Need some shoes that are good for running and some ones that are, are okay for like all the other things. And I, I remember running on the treadmill once for 20 minutes. Yeah, that'll be fine. And, uh, that's about it. Okay. To be clear, it was running just to test the shoes. It wasn't like I did one 20 minute treadmill run. No, I don't think I was even wearing those shoes. Okay, so your your running up to that point was one twenty minute treadmill run. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but I like run it run run occasionally in CrossFit. You get a little bit of that in there. You run like five miles a week. That's way less than that. Are you kidding me? In CrossFit? Yeah. Well, I was assuming that you maybe you were being an overachiever there too. No, yeah. absolutely not. Okay, so you come in <laughs> with probably the lowest running base of anyone out there and crush it, and then that. It, mistake me if I'm wrong. Did that race qualify you for Las Vegas, or did you race yes. another? So that one did, because you didn't race again until Worlds, right? Yeah, until Vegas. That was my second race. And then at Vegas, you came out and you were fourth or fifth? Fourth. You were fourth. Okay, so you had to one up me in Vegas. Got it. And then after that point, do you start taking things seriously from from a High Rocks perspective because you've continued to improve? I know that I, I do see you doing some more aerobic work. I see you on the bike a decent amount. I know you run some. I saw you drop like a 10 mile run the other day. So, or maybe a little longer. <laughs> how, how long was that? Um, the run was 10 miles, but then I did a ruck afterwards. Okay. So we'll, we'll call it a half marathon. Fine. Um, so, so we've got you out there building that, that aerobic base. And then we get to September is when we get on a rowing team together. Yeah. That's when you recruit me for that. So leading up to, from that point, from Vegas all the way up to September, anything changed with your training or were you just like, I'm going to keep a laundering? Like, yeah, I pretty much did the, the same thing. There were like a few DECA competitions uh, that I did. So in between, I Yeah, because we raced that. in New Jersey at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in August. That was in August because that was the same time. Again, I showed up with my dog because um, we were moving at that point. <laughs> you show up again. This was your, was that your first DECA fit race? The first DECA fit, yeah. First deck of fit. So you'd already done like the deck of mile, deck of strong, or 
yeah, because you know, no running. So you're like, all right, I'll do the, I'll do the ones I can. <laughs> I had just started. found out what it was. I I don't know. Like I feel like the marketing for Deca really wasn't that strong back then, and I didn't know what it was until Rich Ryan mentioned it to me in Vegas. He's like, oh, you should look into that. I don't yeah. remember. I don't ever remember it popping like up on my radar really heavily either. Um, like I kind of agree. It seemed like it was spun off of Spartan, and all I thought was like, oh, this is short, light, high rocks. Like was yeah. was kind of how I saw it as well. Um, so then her usual, you show up, you win that race. Um, we we stand on the jankety podium made out of like. Uh, <laughs> I think that picture is awesome. <laughs> Not a bad picture. Um, we stand on the jankety podium. I had like a, just a terrible day that day. Like I show up to the starting line with my neck all messed up and I'm sitting there thinking about dropping out. And either way. So we get off of that. We get to September where we're at the Tone House event mm-hmm. in, in New York. And that's when you decide to let me know, hey, we're looking for a little skinny person who can row. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, wait, how much do you weigh, Dylan? That is actually, I think you did lay, lay with that. And I was like, about 162 like can you be below 165 frequently i'm like all the time <laughs> like, well, great <laughs> do i have a job for you buddy um and, and so that's kind of what really connects us on the spu team so shout out to the small people union um yeah and just a great rowing squad there like all the people are insane they are insane wild wild it, i'm like just, honored to be on that team I, I love, and not only are they really, really good athletes, they're awesome people. And you, if you reach out and have a question, you better be prepared to get an answer because you're gonna get a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there is a wealth of knowledge among mm-hmm. those individuals on there, and, and opinions, and opinions, <laughs> and opinions. But hey, those are gonna, those. Are, I mean, that comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, you get enough. You get enough guys over like six foot in a group chat. You're gonna get opinions. Um, and Cam's gigantic. Yeah. So I, I mean, for people listening, might not know who he is. I don't know if Cam's going to listen to this. Probably not. But he's I, what the world record holder for the, is it one minute? One minute. Yeah, yeah. For distance, one minute for distance on the concept two rower. Just in incredible athlete. Yeah. He's like a powerhouse, six foot, I don't know, six foot five, six foot six, 280. Just a big dude and can wreck a rower. Um, and then, I mean, we've got, uh, Elizabeth Gilmore is on the team. She's an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got Matt Stankowitz is on the team. I like when you can just start counting on your hands, like how many people are sub six 2K guys, or like that's a, insane. So you recruit me to be on there, and I have to like formally thank you for getting me on that squad. That was a lot. Like it has <laughs> drastically improved my rowing. And for you, it, it was another one of your side quests because then in February, you're out in. Mississauga, Canada. <laughs> I'm like, where is this place? <laughs> and so what what are you there for? Are you there for Yeah, so it's called it was the um World Rowing Indoor Championships or Rich uh Versa Challenge, which was like there was like an online qualifier thing that you had to submit for, and then it was I think like an unknown or five events over the period of two days during the World Indoor Rowing Championships, where there's normally like a five hundred event and a two K event. Um and they were just unknown weird like rate limited concept two events rate limited and like pace and time i don't know. like everything that's not like oh how fast can you go on the rower mm-hmm. it was basically testing that it, uh, it tested a lot more like skill in, in yes. i mean skill and fitness but and that was what two weeks after hyrox north american champs yeah it was it was really fast <laughs> so you just decide you go okay 
Let's go race high rise North American champs. And I for where were you in that? You were top five again. You were fourth, yeah? Yeah, fourth. Okay, so you show up again, do what I believe is you being one of the most slept on athletes out there. Just okay, I'm gonna pocket myself here into fourth. Um and then you decide, okay, two weeks later, I'm gonna go do a completely different event, like that's all rowing based. And it's just it's rather impressive just the like breadth that you have with different athletic pursuits. Thanks. Like I just feel like once you start getting into like the hybrid fitness and all these fitness competitions, there's so much out there. Like anything that you're like, oh, I'm kind of into that and kind of into this. Like you can find something that combines those two things, like the tactical games. Like what? Have you seen that? It's insane. Yeah, I've got. Um, um, are you planning? On, well, are you planning on getting into the tactical games, Alondra? You are. <laughs> I from would, but like the startup, the startup cost for the equipment is is a little bit beyond my reach right now. Okay, uh, so but we'll, on that note, the Go Ruck games, like we did shoot, I was like, yeah, it's kind of fun. And and those were when were the Go, were the Go Ruck games? So I had something April? every single month up until like last month. Yeah, so the Go Ruck games were in April. It was Maastricht in January, mm -hmm. um, North American Championships February, Mississauga March, Go Ruck games in April, June was High Rocks World Championships, and then I had a CrossFit competition, and then another High Rocks. Because you came back, so I you did. A, so yeah, so late May you do Worlds, early June you do CrossFit, late June you do New York again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for for you, I mean, we both did not have the the maybe Worlds we would have liked. Um, and, and I know for you, I don't. What exact? Can you give me a breakdown of what happened there? Because I don't actually know. <laughs> um. So I think I described this on another podcast, I think um, with Matt B. Davis, I forget the name of his podcast, but um, so I got a penalty for stepping over the line on the sled pole, mm -hmm. but I had gotten the penalty before I had pulled it five meters. And so the penalty for that is to go back, pull your sled five meters and then return and pull it back the other way for five meters. Okay. I'm not sure if you're still there. Okay. Um, yeah. Drop for a second. Okay. So the penalty was pull it down, down five meters, pull it back five meters. Yeah. So, but because I had only gone about two meters, he's like, okay, you're going to pull back two meters, pull it back three meters this way, pull it back three meters the other way. And then you're going to pull back the other way. And so I ended up running back and forth. I did the math. I think it was like eight times. Oh God. Um, and that just added just an absurd amount of, of, of time and, and effort and, and everything. And this is pretty early on in the race. So that was, pretty much it <laughs> yeah and, and i mean that's a hmm, i feel like that's a way more of a penalty than oh, what yeah. the prescribed penalty would be um yeah it would have been you know something i could recover from if it had just been another five meters especially like on a pole that's not that bad um i mean yeah i guess it kind of sucks probably one of the worst things to get a penalty on but yeah you know you eh, I, I could do it whatever but it did talk with the high rock staff and they were like implementing new changes for like how to do the five meter penalty. If you haven't already pulled it five meters away from the start, like let them do five meters and then do five. And then so that's uh, probably what I would have thought in that moment instead of, because it just kind of makes sense that you're going to go, okay, now they have all this transition period that's going to get tacked onto it. And I mentioned that like to the judge while I was doing it, I'm like, can I just like do the penalty at the end? But it was just like so much in the moment. He didn't understand what I was saying. And I didn't want to waste my breath like saying this. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is something that we can deal with at the end of the race. But then nobody wants to hear about it at the end of the race. That is so, fair. Whatever. That is fair. When it's it, particularly when it's kind of like middle of the field sort of thing. Oh, it wasn't a race to find. Like it, it, it matters really heavily to you. But other folks would be like, why is she like griping about this? 
Um, unfortunately, yeah. the same grace is not given when it's not for the win. Um, even yeah. though you and there's won. no way to prove how I would have done if I hadn't gotten that. So yeah, it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to let that identify or interfere with how I identify as an athlete or anything. It didn't seem like it because you just came back and kept on competing and doing decent. <laughs> like so, so for you now, we've kind of wrapped up. Now we're into deca season. Um, what what are your plans going forward race wise? Like, what do you have on the docket? I have the Deca Northeast on August 26th. Are you going to be there? Yeah, plan on it. Nice. Yeah, who knows with life. And then that'll take me into September. I'm thinking I have to move in September, which is another thing in life. You know, life okay. is real. And then after that, I'm thinking about doing a full Ironman. And then after that, maybe High Rocks. There's Chicago. I think there's like an October and November one. The November and then, one. Then, yeah, is that in Chicago? Mm-hmm. And then. December is the Deca World Championships. Okay, so you're gonna after we shit talked full Ironmans and how like crazy they sound. You've got one of those on your list. Good deal. Would I'm not gonna not- train for it? I'm just gonna go do it. Oh god, I would expect nothing. It's a big less. day. I expect nothing less. Do you? And you probably do you have any time goal in your head for it? I approach those things just kind of to finish. Like I'm not a super triathlete or anything like that. I just, it's just on my list of things to do. And I figure, you know, strike while the iron's hot and just get it done. All right. And when, what, uh, do you have any Ironman in particular you're looking at? Cause I mean, it would have the to be- next ones that are, I think there's three this year that I could do. Um, there's the top one would probably be Cambridge, Maryland. Okay. And then there's one Chattanooga and there's, and I'm Mont Tremblant or whatever, Canada. Okay. Sorry. I don't know how to talk. No, nah, I think you honestly said it well. <laughs> we'll, we'll, hey, we'll run it by we'll run it by the Canadians and, and see. Like we'll be like, Cam, you got to listen just for this part. Like, how does he pronounce that? <laughs> and I'm not gonna pronounce it, so he has nothing else to compare it to. Like, just roast her. She sucks. Cause ooh, <laughs> it's, he lives on the other side of the country. <laughs> well, to be fair, I I think of Canada as a monolith, which is just a very like Americanized way of thinking of everywhere. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But I also maintain that once you have your doctorate, you can pronounce things however you want. Um, that's fair. And you're just saying it because that's how, you know, linguistically it should be. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do? Argue with you? I'm like, hey, you wait a minute. Like, <laughs> exactly. Unless we, unless we start throwing like deep Southern slang, then I can be like, actually, you don't, I don't even a, know what you're talking you about. You don't have a freaking chance. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see you basically all over the place. Perfect. Um, racing distances that could range from, 14 hours all the way down to 14 minutes. Um, <laughs> Hopefully is, some 14 minutes if we're talking about the deck of strong, but. Well, I said around. I said around. Okay. All right. Um, and ranging from 14 hours down to low 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes. There. Is that is that within your time range that you find better, acceptable? Better. Okay. Perfect. I'll accept it. Um, and then really outside of that, do you have uh, any shout outs or anything you want to end off the episode with? Or do you just want to be like, bye people, I'm going back to my job. I do have a patient waiting, but, um, no, I, I mean, I'm excited. I think that people, if they're thinking about, you know, participating in any events, just go out there and do it. Don't be afraid see, you know, what you can do on, on minimal training, especially like in the hybrid fitness DECA and high rocks, like you're not really going to get hurt. Yeah. It might take you a long time, but just give it a, a try. And then like, you just, just do it. Just show up. Well, good words of advice there. Yeah. Low complexity, big engine, just go out there and work, have fun. Um, all right, Alondra, go take care of people's feet. Um, <laughs> and, and thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. I'll talk to you later.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.